Welcome to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the cybersecurity team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Alexandra O'Shaughnessy-Treadwell and Harry Baldwin, two members of the growing cybersecurity team here at NUCO. And we're delighted to be joined today by Alexandra Godot. Alexandra was named as top 30 female cybersecurity leader of 2022, a speaker and panelist at conferences and a trailblazer early on in her career, already developing key information security policies and creating vulnerability management programs, bringing awareness of the need for cybersecurity in the world of NGOs. What an exciting time and welcome to the show, Alexandra. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's really exciting to, to be here and thank you for, for the invitation. Yeah, for sure. So to get us started, we always love to ask people the same thing. And that's how did you first get into the cybersecurity industry? Um, I would say it, it was almost by mistake. Um, I almost did not apply for for the job posting in, um, in Oxfam. I started on, on the service desk. Um, and at Oxfam. Um, I do have background in, in general IT. I've been doing service desk jobs uh, for most of my professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the job. I thought it was uh, really interesting, um, but I almost didn't apply. I thought it, it might be too much. I might not be fit for the role. Um, but the, the manager convinced me that I should just go for it and see what happens. And I did. And I ended up with uh, starting a career in cybersecurity. Ah, fantastic. Great that you took that leap. And so I know that you're um, relatively new into the sector, but already making some big headway. So how far do you think that cybersecurity has, has changed since you started out in it? Hmm. Uh, that's, that's a really good question because things are moving extremely fast. Um, so the, the things and the context are, are changing all the time. Um, and there are things and uh, that, that are just not applicable anymore that were relevant four years ago when I started um, all, almost. Mm, yeah, um, but, for sure. but it's, it's, um, it's interesting and I feel like it keeps me on my toes. So uh, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, no, it's nice to sometimes be in that constant learning environment, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, I think he uh, highlighted really well. It's it's a constant learning environment, um, and if if you like to be challenged all the time, I think this uh, this job job profile is 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 the best for for anyone that that likes that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So retrospectively, what do you think has helped you progress most in your career so far? Do you think? Um, I would start by saying um, that reading a lot and trying to to understand concepts. Obviously, you have the technical aspects of the um, of the job that, um, and and I truly believe that any technical aspect can be learned because it's almost like a process all the time. You do A B C D to achieve um, X. So um, if, if you have that support and the clear instructions, it, it wouldn't be that difficult. Um, but to to truly understand um, something, you, you need to be a bit more proactive. 
uh, do a lot of reading, uh, do courses, have difficult conversations with your peers. Um, and when I say difficult, I mean theoretical conversations like, mm -hmm. uh, for example, the general advice that we're giving usually for people to not connect and work on public Wi-Fi networks. Does that actually apply or not? Um, in what context does it apply in? Because there are situations where, let's say, if a company has really valuable data and they want to protect, yeah, that might not be a good idea. But for me, generally doing my job and talking with my teammates about a small process, maybe not that big of a risk. It really depends on the, the context, but being able to, to grasp that and being able to assess risks um is is what i would say it's it's more important for for that very reason um i started doing a, a master's in in cybersecurity now i'm not saying that everybody should go that route that was a, a personal choice um and it was a personal choice mostly because that's what i want to focus on on my career i don't want to necessarily focus on the technical side like being a pen tester Mm -hmm. um, for that, courses in general, uh, and there are millions of them out there, there are great. But for what I'm choosing to do uh, down the line for my career, I feel like a master's would uh, would fit me better. Yeah, yeah. Great to hear um, some of the key aspects of your career so far. And, and now let's to look at the present day and what the future might hold. Um, sure. You're an information security GRC lead uh, for a nonprofit, as you mentioned, Oxfam. In what ways is cybersecurity important for human rights? Um, it, I feel like that should be a, a cornerstone, um, cybersecurity and to an extent digital rights uh, should be at the cornerstone of what we're seeing uh, and what we're we're doing and how the the entire industry should uh, the the direction that the entire industry should go to. Um, I'm saying this because as we've seen in the even in the past couple of years, um, with all the uh, the attacks that have been happening, all the data breaches, mm -hmm. and more recently uh, the big attack on ICRC, where um, beneficiaries and project participants' data was leaked, um, it, it that incident was was important, and I, I want to highlight this. It wasn't necessarily about the technical aspect, but it was about the implications of the people affected by that data breach and in that case was um people that were trying to to find their families mm. in the western world world um these human rights issues luckily um are not at risk but for the global south or at a global level the conversation is completely different and um Currently, the the products, any digital product that we're using, unfortunately, is not necessarily designed with uh, privacy by design in, in mind. Mm -hmm. I guess it's fair to say that cyber is now a wider concept than just cybersecurity for cyber companies. It, it affects everyone. Correct. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, it affects people in ways that we just don't know yet. Um, we, considering the vast, vast amounts of data that uh, are collected, 
there is no way to say that that data could not be used by a bank to um, uh, to to see if they should give out loans to mm. a specific population or or not. The, the, it's we've seen cases we we've heard about them, but overall, I don't think we truly understand how risky the lack of good data management uh, is in, mm. in general. Yeah, and I, I guess it's kind of just a, a playing it by ear and seeing how it how it turns out, right? And I know yes. you're you're quite an avid speaker on topics like that. And I know you're speaking at the Women um, of Silicon Roundabout, which is really exciting for you, I bet. Uh, do you think that exposure of women in tech is the best way to create this conversation of women being a strong voice in STEM and cybersecurity generally? Um, yes, yes, definitely. Um, to be honest, this was the reason why I started doing talks. Um, mm. For me personally, the, the conversation about why we need women in STEM has been going on for a while now, which is amazing. People, I, I love the fact that people are advocating for this. Mm. Uh, but my concern is that it almost became a checkbox exercise for companies for diversity. And unfortunately, that is not enough. The, the way I see things, having a diverse uh, team in general helps you have a better perspective on things. Different people's experiences might influence decisions making. Like for myself, um, I'm, um, I come from Romania, but I live in the UK. I might see things differently than somebody that lived their life um, all their lives in in UK, or a colleague yeah, sure. that I have from um, uh, from Kenya, for example, they lived in a different context, so they might bring different perspectives that would help us make a better decision. Because there there might there might be things that I've never considered in terms of risk. Because I live in a fairly safe space all the time, I don't have to worry about certain things. So they're not at the forefront of my of my mind. But for other people where live that live in different contexts, that would be a more pressing issue for them. And me not considering their uh, their lived experience why when I make a decision that impacts their life, I don't think that's um, that's a good way to approach things to say the least. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Including more people in a conversation is only going, going to benefit in a more well-rounded answer, right? Yes, yes. And for now, um, women are not present in that space, not enough. Um, and if they are, they they almost wear this hat of, yes, I'm a woman in, um, in STEM, and that's pretty much it. We're still not allowing women to to influence decisions at a at a high level that would make that impact we're not necessarily listening to women when they say hey i don't think this is safe enough uh the, the goal is still sometimes just making profit or sometimes just keeping the keeping the status quo mm. so to make it less of a of a kind of checkbox situation what do you think can be done to increase women's voices and, and to increase that presence in a room in a company um i would go a bit 
beyond the, the company setting itself and say that uh, participatory designs should should influence um, a, a company's decisions in developing mm. a product. So it's not just listen to your women in a company because again, they might not have a, a full picture and I'm not saying that they should have, but that that's the, the reality. But going through that route of participatory participatory design where you go and ask the community hey what do you think about this how how do you see this how do you how would this impact your life do you have any concerns and actually talk with yeah. people um that might help everybody move in in um in a direction where we do have security and privacy by design because th that's that's how people will will learn if, if we ask each other hey what do you think about this yeah, no, great insight. And you spoke at the SC Women's Women in Cybersecurity Conference and have attended Black Cats. Um, what's your favorite cyber conference and, and why why is that? Why why is why would that be your choice? Um so it wasn't necessarily a strictly cyber one. Um, but again, it, it was a point uh that uh really pushed me to uh, to start being in these spaces where I talk publicly about uh, some issues. It was um, a conference for women in tech in general. Um, mm. And I remember this, uh, I have listened to, to a talk uh, that Bianca Cefalo did. Um, she's a aeronautics engineer, I believe. I hope mm -hmm. I'm not saying that wrong. Um, <laughs> And she basically came in um, with this amazing energy and passion and talking about this thing, these things. And um, her her entire demeanor was uh, was was so inspiring and so feminine. And that was something that you don't usually see in in, in conferences. It's all very serious. But she was allowing herself to to be herself and talk about the issues and. That was for, for me. That was an important representations of how women can can change and what women can bring into into STEM. Just just having that energy and being comfortable with yourself while tackling big societal issues um, made me understand that I I can do this. Like I don't need a million years of experience or a PhD to to talk about these things and engage with people and try to ask the questions and try to solve the the, the problems yeah no great insight there and really lovely to hear that that's inspired you and then you're carrying on inspiring other people as well so more on that key topic that matters and women in cybersecurity. what do you think it means to be a woman in the cyberspace um that's a that's a really interesting way of of phrasing things, and I, I did think about that a a lot. Um, but my my answer to this would be going back to that checkbox exercise. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'm doing anything differently than my uh, my male counterparts. I'm I'm not thinking differently I'm not behaving differently when I'm coming uh, when I start my work day and I'm doing my job I am exactly the same as my colleagues so I don't think we should necessarily focus on uh, this 
disparity between men and women necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, we're here to do our job. And if we can help each other do a better job for whatever that means, mm -hmm. um, I, th I think that's important. So I don't particularly see myself as a woman in cybersecurity. I'm, I'm just somebody that works in cybersecurity that seems to particularly care about human rights issues. And that, and that is it. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And almost going that step beyond of it, it's not just this. I'm not just a woman in this place. I'm just here and I happen to be a woman. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, the, I could, the reason why I'm saying all this is, mm. again, um, going a bit uh, on to my background and coming from Romania, which is a former communist country where, um, everybody in the country had to work in a factory it didn't matter that you're a woman or a man everybody had a quota to meet in the eyes of the the government it, it didn't matter if you're a woman or or a man and i'm coming from a culture where even now uh, in, in romania men and women work equally and they're expected to perform equally so coming out of romania and into the the wider world i i brought that with me um, and it's it, it it has shaped a lot of my my work is I as I said I am working mm. as much or as thoughtfully or whatever quality you want to assign to to this I'm working just the same as mm. um, as my my male colleague in in that space it, th yeah. there's there's no uh, there's not a real difference and. I would right now I'm trying to to focus more on what what can we do both as men and women to make people's lives better and safer not ponder too much about these differences of course they're important on some aspects but professionally speaking I don't think there should be that much of a difference yeah no great forethought and and kind of looking forward there um and then do you think on entering um the cyber cyber sector that you faced any barrier barriers to entry that your male counterparts maybe wouldn't have faced or, or is it a similar thought on on that piece as well it's it's a similar th thought uh but probably i've been extremely lucky to uh, to work um, to work in Oxfam and in, in a sector where uh, these things are taken into consideration. One of Oxfam's mm. principle is equality. So I I think I, I've just been lucky in that sense. I'm I know that there are other women that are still facing um, issues trying to to break into the tech world so I'm, I don't want to rush into saying that oh no this this problem is solved let's uh, let's just move on because that that's not that's not the reality for most of the other women um, it's not the reality for women in the western world and so much less for the women in uh, the global south mm. yeah no fascinating discussion really really interesting and um, thank you for your insights there now to cover in depth um, that core topic that's diversity so over to my colleague Harry. Yeah thanks Alexandra there's some uh, brilliant answers in there that's really interesting. Um, a couple of things I wanted to ask um, the, the gender gap the, the gender digital gap in internet access is something that you've passionately written on before for our viewers you know tell us a bit more about this and what can be done to help redress this imbalance. 
Sure. So I think it's worth if I start defining this. Um, so, and there are uh, different aspects that we can look at when, when we're talking about the, the digital gender gap in, um, in the current world. So um, for one, one of the, the points that I've seen more often than not being made is the fact that um, there are not enough women in um in, in stem for example uh but i've already covered that uh, that subject but sometimes it runs a bit more deeply than that again it depends on the context and where in the world we're we're talking about um a good example is that in um in india and pakistan um access to to technology to mobile phones that have an internet correct uh, connection is reserved to the, the men of the house. Uh, because of this, women uh, don't have access to, uh, to the digital space. They don't have access to education the same way the men of the house with the phone in, in their hands has. Um, and that is one aspect that could be highlighted when it comes to, to the dig digital gap. One other thing, it could be that um, the way technology is designed um, it puts a lot of pressure on the the person that is using said piece of technology for again for whatever it is um, it's a software it's a hardware it, it doesn't really matter it's it's all pretty much the the same you are expected to know how a computer works you're expected to know how what a virus is and how to protect yourselves of um against that you're expected to know that you need to set up a strong password but going back to what i was saying earlier not everybody has access to the same level of education right now and putting that pressure on the on the end user on the person that is using said piece of technology um, it's not a fair point to to start with uh, making that assumption that everybody that uses uh technology is equal and has access to equal opportunities is, is, a, is a wrong assumption to, to make. And especially if you want to put pressure on the, the, the person to, to protect themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's loads of different contexts. I mean, I've never had, you know, I went to, I was fortunate to go to a pretty nice school, but I never got anything, any education about cybersecurity. And that, and that's not even taking into account some of the, you know, differences in, in a lot yes. of other countries where, you know, where people are a lot less well off. So yeah, I totally understand that. And, and one thing I kind of also wanted to ask was, hmm. you mentioned diversity kind of being used as a bit of a checkbox by, by tech giants, you know, I'd imagine that you feel that they're, they're not doing enough at the moment to level that playing field. Um, how do you think they can, they can better level that diversity playing field? And, and, and generally, what's your assessment of, of the majority of, of tech giants in, in that kind of, you know, in redressing that imbalance? Hmm. So, without going into politics at all, um, do you know how we have the, um, the industry standards for security? Um, yeah. That might be a way to, um, to push this uh, non, almost non-political agenda, although slightly political because we're talking about human rights and digital, um, digital rights. Uh, but it, it is a way to, to push this. If, every, if we come up with a, with a standard that 
these risks are taken into consideration from the get-go and we push for that, that that's one way of achieving it. Uh, there, there could be multiple ways. I haven't gone through everything of what could be possible, but for now, this is this is one way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I mean, thanks so much for your thoughts on all of those issues. I mean, it's really interesting and super thought-provoking. Um, it's time to bring kind of back to you and, and let our listeners learn a bit more about you outside of work. So I'm, I'm sure. sure everyone's interested to know what your perfect weekend would look like. Um, if the weekend is two days, I would say Saturday, I would probably go to a rave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a good way to to de-stress. Um, yeah. And I'll probably on Sunday I would spend time home, either playing games, watching a movie, the normal yeah. the normal stuff. But Saturday definitely that's uh, yeah. that's what I'm doing a lot of my time going to awesome. race. Yeah. Also, what kind of music do you like? Uh, the electronic nice awesome yeah. fantastic i went to i went to a good uh kind of like techno electronic thing in antwerp um mm, in nice. belgium a couple of weeks ago which was really good so nice. yeah, i totally feel that it's a good kind of um stress relief isn't it right yes. especially if you've got something which is so tense during the week i'd yeah. imagine that yeah, you can do I, sometimes i i tend to to follow djs and go into different festivals yeah. across europe following uh following djs so Usually my uh, my holiday is spent on going partying somewhere. <laughs> awesome. Did you did you go to any in the UK this year? Uh, no, I focused uh, the ones on Europe because now COVID is gone. We can travel. I've been yeah. to this uh, this amazing festival in um, in Albania. It was it was yeah. gorgeous. Oh, fantastic! Well, you have you have to tell me after the podcast <laughs> the will. name of it. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. So, so on to something called our quick fire round. Um, sure. No clues on this one. You have to think on your feet. We kind of present you with a with one one situation or another, and you have to pick one. Um, so, it, so yes, optimist or realist? Realist. Follow your head or your heart. Head. Windows or iOS? Uh, Windows. School of life or academia? Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> tough. Really tough. Uh, yeah. I cannot say both. <laughs> Can no, I? you can't say both. Uh, Only one. Uh, school of life. School of life. Nice. Uh, triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown? Uh, thrived. Awesome. Ambition or talent? Um, ambition. Work from home or office? Uh, work from home. Awesome. And, and quite a good one, probably for you, because you're such a keen traveller. Dr dream country to travel to. And why? Um... <laughs> you're going to like this. Um, I really want to see Vietnam. Uh, nice. There, is a, there are a couple of really good festivals that I want to go to there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice it's a big I know one of my friends did did a whole moped tour of that kind of whole area and they and they spent a couple of months on there so I'm hoping one day uh, I can get the chance to do something similar so yeah absolutely I've heard yeah. it I've heard it's beautiful um thank you so much it's great to get a bit more insight kind of on your on your personal life and one kind of final question that we ask we always ask every sort of guest we have on here is what one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the industry hmm um 
sorry, I'm I'm thinking there there are um, I'm trying not to be super technical on this. Um, something that really helped me was whenever things were getting hard or there were things that I it took me a longer time to understand was to remember why I'm doing this, why I got into cyber. For me, it's trying to promote digital rights. Uh, that I'm, I'm not saying that everybody's goal should be the, the same. It could be personal, it could be whatever, uh, but try, try and remember why you're doing this. Um, it, might, it might help you push through the hard times. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Alexandra um it's been great to hear your thoughts and insights and an absolute pleasure to have you on the show Thanks. yeah I know thank you for inviting me this this was great is it it one of the the best uh, the best conversations I had so thank oh, you nice uh, thank you very much Alexandra thank you for listening to the show if you enjoyed it please do subscribe and give us a rating it really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people for more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.